Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. So, uh, we are going back to our sermon series this morning. Um, This is our sermon series in the book of Luke. Um, So if you'll go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Uh, we've been going through this this book now since December. We started way back in December for our uh, Christmas series. And then after Christmas, we just kept kind of going through the book. Uh, this is titled An Unexpected King because, well, Jesus is unlike any other king that had ever come before him or will ever come again uh, until he returns. Uh, and then this is the fourth and final week where we are studying Jesus's Sermon on the Plain. Uh, this section is the conclusion to that sermon that we've been looking at uh, for three weeks leading up till now. Um, in the first week, Jesus outlined the Beatitudes uh, and the woes. He described blessings for those that uh, go through earthly hardships, but woes to, woes to those who find their comfort in things of this world. Uh, The highlight of each of these sections was when Jesus talked about how others treat you. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for their faith, but woe to those who are afraid to offend others by speaking God's word. Then in the second week, Jesus expanded on these expectations of his believers when they're being persecuted. He said to love your enemies. Not just blessed are you when you're being persecuted, but love your enemies when you're being persecuted. Instead of retaliating or seeking revenge, we are to show God's grace and mercy to these people. This is what God did for us. See, we sinned against him. We were his enemies, yet he gives us mercy through forgiveness. And he gives us grace by offering salvation. And then last week, we took a short break from this series, but two weeks ago, Jesus uh, took that idea of grace and mercy further by telling his disciples that those who claim him as Lord continue to show grace and mercy to their enemies instead of judging them and condemning them. The Christian continues to point others to the gospel even when they are persecuted for it. So this morning, like I said, we're in our conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. We're going to be in verses 43 to 49. And the title of this sermon is Fruit and Foundation. The main idea, though, is that Jesus' disciples produce good fruit. Jesus' disciples produce good fruit. So I have this text divided into three sections. Um, It starts with bearing fruit. The second one is being obedient. And the third one is better foundation. So I'm going to pray and we'll get into this text. Lord Jesus, as we open up your word, I pray, Lord, that, that your word will touch us in our hearts. I pray that your word will will flow out of us into those around us. Lord, I pray that your word will show us how we are not like you and help us to grow more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'm going to start in verses uh, 43 and 44. Jesus says, A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. Now, two weeks ago, Jesus said, can the blind lead the blind? I said that the parable uses such common sense imagery that it can be easy to overlook just how important the point is that Jesus is making. The same can be said for this parable. There's so much common sense here that we can easily blow right past it without seeing how it fits into the context of what Jesus has already been teaching. It's quite interesting that this parable 
where we're judging a tree by its fruit, comes right after the passage where Jesus warned about judging others. Obviously, in order to determine if the fruit, and therefore the tree, is good or bad, we have to judge the fruit. I think it's helpful in getting a better understanding of what Jesus meant when he warned us about judging. We are not to condemn individuals, but rather determine the quality of their fruit. I'm going to say that again. We are not to condemn individuals, but determine the quality of their fruit. But why? Why would we do that? Why would it be our job to be fruit inspectors? Well, in verse 39, Jesus asked, Can the blind lead the blind? And we don't want to be under a blind leader. So we judge the fruit of others to determine if we want to place ourselves under their leadership. Jesus asked, Can the blind lead the blind? Well, we don't want to see or we don't need to see for those who can see for themselves. We judge another's fruit to determine, as best as we can, if they're saved. And so in our conversations with them, are we trying to uh, share the gospel to lead them to salvation, or are we pointing them back to the gospel to help them to become more mature believers? Jesus said, can the blind lead the blind? And so we don't want the blind leading the blind in our churches, so we judge another's fruit to determine if these people should be leading in our churches. So we are fruit inspectors. We're looking at another's fruit. Well, verse 42, Jesus says, Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. We must be able to judge our own fruit and deal with our own sin. Then we're able to judge another's fruit so we can help them to deal with their sin. Notice, though, We are not judging people to condemn them. We are judging fruit to help others repent of their sin. Or we start with judging our own fruit so we can repent from our sin, and then judging others' fruit to help them repent of their sin. So we are to be fruit inspectors. We inspect the fruit that people produce. But where does this fruit come from? Well, Jesus answers that for us too. He says, A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. The good, the good fruit that a good person produces comes from the the good stored up in that person's heart. But I think that most of us would recognize that often our hearts are not filled with good. Instead, it's often filled with lust or revenge or jealousy or hate and bitterness, just to name a few. I'm not saying that we always feel like that, but we have all felt like that at times. And if we're honest with ourselves, probably more than we'd like to admit. In Mark 10, Jesus himself says, no one is good except God alone. So where does this good come from that Jesus says is stored up in the good person's heart? Well, Tuesday night at Victory Kids, the Bible study that we looked at talked a lot about fruit and talked a lot about trees and water. One of those passages was Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Jeremiah says, The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Like the tree planted by water who still has what it needs in drought and still produces fruit, when we place our faith in God and when we abide in Him, when we spend time with Him, when we learn from Him, we will have that good stored up in our heart. Because it comes from God, 
That good in our heart doesn't come from our own heart. The good in our heart comes from God. The only, uh, that only comes from God, though, through daily, intentional time with God. The tree planted by the water doesn't get up and walk away from the stream and come back only when it's thirsty. No, that tree stays right there. It's planted right there by the water. In the same way, we as disciples need to be planted right next to God, spending all our time with him, right there with him all the time. To have the good stored up in our heart, we must be like the tree and stay close to God. Stay focused on his word. Meditate on it day and night. Pray to God constantly and seek him consistently. But what specific good fruit is Jesus talking about in this passage? Well, I think it's appropriate to apply this principle to all of the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus' whole sermon on the plain focuses on grace and mercy. Loving your enemies instead of condemning them. So the good fruit of grace and mercy can only be stored up in the heart when we are in close, constant relationship with God, like the tree planted by the water. And Jesus also says, an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. I think this is pretty easy for us to see. All you have to do is turn on the news and we hear of evil. You scroll through social media and you see people speaking, acting, and treating others in evil ways. Or just sit in the quiet of your own thoughts sometimes and that evil becomes evident. But where does that fruit come from? As I've already said, it's easy to find that evil in our own hearts. But how did it get there? Well, the answer is sin. Because of sin, we can't not sin. Our world, our lives, our relationships, and our heart are all stained by sin. It's all stained by sin. We are sinful people. And there's nothing that we can do on our own to fix that. We are powerless over it. We are slaves to it. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus came and died to take the punishment for our sins. Then he was resurrected on the third day in victory over sin and death. When we believe in him and repent from our sins, he gives us a new heart. He sends his spirit to live in us and to guide us. Then and only then can we be free from our slavery to sin. Jesus redeems us, buying our freedom with his blood. Then and only then can we overcome the evil that's in our hearts. I'm sorry. Then and only then can he overcome the evil that's in our hearts. Because we can't do it. Only he can. Only after salvation can we pursue God's design in our lives. Only after salvation can we call Jesus Lord and live obediently to him. Oh, but if we keep reading, Jesus talks about that too. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? See, calling Jesus Lord means that he is the ruler over our lives. We surrender to him and we follow his, le- his leadership and wisdom. This is part of our salvation. We recognize that we cannot fix our own sin problem and that Jesus is the solution. He is offering that salvation as a gift. But Jesus is not Savior without being Lord. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is not Savior without being Lord. He's not interested in just giving us fire insurance. He is Lord, or he is nothing. We surrender to him because he is the one true God. He deserves our worship. To call him Lord means that we are surrendered to him and following his will in our lives. But if you don't do these things, Jesus says, he is not your Lord. You might call him Lord. You might say that you are a Christian. But if you don't surrender to Jesus' lordship, then you're lying. 
You're lying to those around you and you're lying to yourself. You might fool others, you might even fool yourself, but you cannot fool God. Jesus is not saying that you will be perfect, but you are continually growing in obedience to him. You might fail occasionally, but you confess and you repent from that sin and you keep growing closer to him. Keep reflecting more on his character and reflecting his character to those around you. This is sanctification. It is the process of becoming more like Jesus. Examine your life. Are you producing good fruit that comes from abiding in God and surrendering to him as Lord? Or are you producing evil that comes from the evil in your own heart? If you are producing good fruit through obedience to God, then you are being sanctified and you can rightfully call Jesus Lord. But if you are producing evil fruit because of slavery to sin, then you are lying if you call Jesus Lord. And then Jesus follows us up with an illustration. He says, I will show you someone who is, uh, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. Now this morning in Sunday school, we were talking about the difference between hearing and listening. This, was, this is what Jesus is talking about. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. Now this reflects back to verse 27 where Jesus says, I say to you who listen. See, when we come to Jesus, he will show us the truth and offer us life. But we must not simply hear Jesus' words. We must listen by acting on them. We must surrender to him as Lord. And when we do, we're like that builder who laid the foundation on the rock. See, Jesus is more than just our foundation. He is the solid ground on which we build our foundation. He is strong and unwavering. He will not fail us. Even when we are tempted to turn back to sin, or even when we fail and do sin, he is there for us as the bedrock of our foundation. When we hear Jesus' words and obey him, no matter what struggles come our way, he will give us the strength to overcome. He is our bedrock when we hear his words and act on them. He will hold us secure. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that he will prevent the storm from coming. The storm still comes. We will be tempted. We will be persecuted. But when he is the bedrock of our foundation, he will provide the strength and stability to be faithful throughout. He will give us the grace to love our enemies, as he told us to in verse 27. He will give us the mercy as he commanded us. Sorry, he will give us the mercy to forgive as he commanded in verses 36 and 37. He will give us the wisdom to take the beam of wood out of our own eye and the splinter from our neighbor's eye. This is the fruit that we will bear, love, grace, mercy, and wisdom, when we hear his words and act on them. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. When we hear Jesus' words and we don't act, the storms of life will come and we will fail. What I love about this parable is how close it hits to home. We've all experienced storms in this life. You might be experiencing a storm right now. Jesus doesn't say that when we are obedient to him, we won't have storms. Instead, he knows that since we live in a broken and sinful world, there will be storms in this life. 
we know that we don't have to face those storms alone. Eventually, they will come for us. When we do face them alone, they will overcome us. But when Jesus is the bedrock of our foundation, we will be victorious. The hope that we have is that he will strengthen us in those storms and bring us through victoriously. We can add that to the list of fruit that we bear. Love, grace, mercy, wisdom, and victory. Let's go back to verses 22 and 23. Jesus says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. When the storms of life come, when persecution comes, will you respond with good fruit? Will you respond with love, grace, mercy, and wisdom? Will you be victorious? When you are being persecuted for your faith, what fruit will you produce? After the service, I'm going to send a link to a podcast from The Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, the podcast is a sermon from someone who has interviewed numerous people from around the world who have been persecuted for their faith. The stories that he tells and the advice that he gives in that sermon tie in well with the main idea of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Everything we've been talking about for the past four weeks, it all ties in. He uses different texts to get to the same point because Jesus is consistent. And so the lessons that Jesus gives are consistent. And so I'm going to share that um, link with everyone. If you're not on our Facebook Messenger group, it will also be attached in the podcast. So I ask again, when you are being persecuted for your faith, what fruit will you produce? Or when the storms of life come, will you be destroyed and defeated because your foundation is not Jesus? When the storms of life come and the bedrock of our foundation is Jesus, we can rejoice because he will give us victory. So we get to our application. And our application always comes from our definition of a disciple, where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. It's Matthew 4.19. And the follow me is uh, where Jesus says, or sorry, our, our three indicators of a disciple come from that too. And it's knowing, being, and doing. And the knowing comes where Jesus says, follow me. That's that the disciple has accepted salvation through Jesus and the lordship of Jesus. The being is where Jesus says, I will make. So the disciple is constantly being remade and transformed through the gospel. And then the doing is where Jesus says that his disciples will be fishing for people. And so the disciple is doing the work of Jesus. So our application from this passage our no is to know that Jesus is the source of good. Jesus says that a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. That good can only come from him because our hearts are tainted and stained by sin. And when we abide in him, when we listen to and obey him, he will store up the good in our heart so that we can produce that good fruit. When we trust in him for salvation, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and guides our heart. Our B application is to be surrendered to him. Jesus asked a simple question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? If we are not surrendered to him, if we are not obedient to him, then he is not our Lord. If Jesus is not Lord, then he is not Savior. We surrender to him because we know that in him and only in him is their life. We have all fallen into sin and we all deserve death. But Jesus offers salvation. Trust in him. Surrender to him and be saved. Trust in him. Surrender to him and he will be your source of good. And our do 
is to produce good fruit. Over the past several weeks, as we've looked at Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, we've heard him teach that his disciples are to show love, grace, mercy, wisdom, and victory. These are the fruit that we are to produce. These are the fruit that will show that we are his disciples. Each tree is known by its fruit. So what fruit are you producing? When those storms come, it's going to put pressure on you. What comes out when that pressure is applied is what you've been sitting in. Think of your life. Think of your life like a sponge, right? A sponge by itself is nothing really significant. You take a dry sponge and you squeeze it, nothing really comes out of it. But if you take that sponge and you soak it in water, when you squeeze it, the water's going to come out of it. If you take your sponge and you soak it in milk and you squeeze it, milk's going to come out of it. Whatever you soak that sponge in, whenever you squeeze it, that's what comes out. That's like you. When you are spending your time with Jesus, when you're spending your time abiding in him, soaking in his word, soaking in his wisdom, soaking in his, uh, the Bible, then when the pressures of life come, when persecution comes, that's what's going to come out of you. But instead, if you're soaking yourself in things of this world, that's what's going to come out when that pressure comes. So are you producing fruit that shows your surrender to Jesus? Or are you producing fruit that shows your surrender to your sinful heart? So our due application is produce good fruit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you came and you took the punishment for our sin. I pray this morning that you will help us to be obedient to you. Help us to surrender to you as Lord daily. Help us to, to spend time with you, soaking in your goodness so that we can share it with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit victorybaptisthopemills.com or facebook.com slash vbchopemills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.